بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي All praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Him, we seek His assistance and we seek His forgiveness. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide Him. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide Him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, um, I greet you with the greetings of Islam and the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon each and every one of you here. Uh, today is the 14th of November. 2015 and uh, today is our uh, second episode in terms of uh, our restart um, of this series and in terms of um, everything all together or in terms of the sessions related to um, our start uh, then this is episode number 10 May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all uh, and bless this effort. Um, I'd like to extend um, a sincere apology uh, to some of our brothers and sisters uh, from uh, last week or that attempted to join last week. I know several people uh, woke up at odd hours of the night, uh, 2 a.m., 1 a.m., uh, to join the lesson, but they couldn't get in. There was a technical a matter with the virtual classroom um, uh, that uh, prevented um, students above a certain class limit uh, from getting into the class. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, um, our partners have uh, rectified that. Alhamdulillah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, bless uh, our partners, those who have been so kind to... Um, uh, take care of the broadcast of this particular lesson, take care of um, the virtual classroom and uh, the links and uh, ensuring we all have a platform to come together uh, to share the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make every lesson a sadaqatul jariyah for them. Ameen. So uh, sincere apologies really uh, to those who tried to join. Uh, the problem has been rectified and um, I pray that um, um, everybody uh, does attempt uh, to join the lesson. I know we do send out, um, you know, uh, notes and we send out recordings and, you know, what that what happens is, you know, sometimes you, you, you end up having <clears throat> mixed feelings about it. Because obviously it's from the blessings of online learning to, to teach and at the same time uh, have all these things at your disposal. So, you know, the recordings and then notes can be taken and emailed and so on and so forth because everything is um, written using technology anyway. So it's not as if something's handwritten and then we're transferring it and so on and so forth. But 
it definitely does put you in a predicament, especially someone like me uh, who's been involved in teaching online and I have multiple online projects uh, related to distance learning. Uh, what I notice is people become lazy uh, or the fact that notes will be sent out and recordings will be sent out. What happens is Shaitan uses it as a tool. Uses it as a tool uh, to uh, delay you. When I say delayed, I mean, you know, make you feel comfortable uh, that I'll miss the lesson, I'll just listen to the recording. Um, especially when, you know what, there is a possibility that you really can uh, catch um, the live session. Okay? Especially since you really can catch um, the live session. So, uh, you can catch the live session, but then you tend to prioritize other things. Why? Because I'll get, all, I'll get the recording and I'll get the notes. And uh, remember we said this is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you choose to delay, then you've delayed worship. Um, and this uh, becomes... Um, uh, this, 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 you know, becomes a negative in terms of our life. And whenever we uh, delay Allah subhanahu wa taala, then uh, we continue to become delayed, right? And we should always, we should always ask Allah subhanahu wa taala never to make us from the delayed in terms of receiving His mercy. May Allah subhanahu wa taala bless us all, um, and um, you know, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa taala inspire us to be uh, excellent. Uh, in everything that we do, especially with our punctuality. I mean, uh, brothers and sisters, um, in episode number nine, um, or our first episode um, last week, we began discussing wudu and we read um, the author's notes pertaining to wudu or his summary of Ibn al-Qayyim's notes related to wudu. And um, we began discussing wudu and I got to a stage whereby we were going through different ahadith, uh, teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam related to uh, the fadl and blessings of wudu. And you know, cleanliness is, is such an important part uh, of a human being's life um, generally and, and a Muslim's life uh, specifically. You know, and um, sometimes, you know, if you, uh, people say that why is it when we open the books of fiqh, we find wudu mentioned uh, before salah. And salah is, uh, you know, from the arkan of Islam and from the most important acts of worship. And in the books of fiqh, we have a chapter related to worship, which is made up of salah and zakah and fasting and hajj. Why is it that we have wudu there? Um, there's many reasons for this, uh, or many reasons why uh, the scholars have put wudu there. Uh, firstly, because wudu is the key to salah. So we need to discuss matters pertaining to ritual purity um, to ensure that uh, the salah can uh, be appropriate. Uh, because there's no salah without ritual purity. And ritual purity obviously happens in the form of ghusl or wudu uh, or tayammum if you don't have uh, water. So this is one of the wisdoms why the scholars place wudu uh, in front of Salah. Also, the reason why they do so is because, as we said yes, uh, last week, that, you know, uh, from the most important wisdoms of wudu is that it's an act of worship. Allah has commanded us to do it. Our jannah becomes bigger and our sins uh, are removed as a result, which means we become more distant from the hellfire. Right? So, um, this is an act of worship. So, it has its place in uh, the chapters pertaining to worship in terms of uh, fiqh as a science. Also, brothers and sisters, it's because uh, cleanliness is a big part of the sharia. 
cleanliness is a massive, massive part of the of the Sharia. Um, and you know, um, we know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala describes belief as purity, right? Uh, and belief is a meaningful type of purity. It's not, you know, meaning you're not washing your heart with water or with zamzam. I mean, if we try and get technical here and try and imagine things, right? Uh, but uh, we believe, and that's purity of the heart. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this physical purity, right? This physical purity, which is the wudu. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes a lot of good, a lot of good using the term purity. A lot of good uh, using the term uh, purity. For example, um, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, describes the evil of being arrogant and denying the truth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those who are arrogant and, 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 and love to deny the truth. Allah says, for example, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ لَمْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَيُّ طَهِرَ قُلُوبَهُمْ Right? That those are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not uh, want to purify. Yani purify in terms of belief. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen the, the word purify here. And this highlights to us the presence of purity in Islam. And the presence of purity in religion. Right, so um, and and this is you know this is this is how we should work with the Quran. We should ponder over the Quran that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala could have used any word here. Why did Allah Subhanahu wa Taala use the term that is derived from tahara, which which is you know and we and which is purity and wudu is is tahara is a means of becoming pure uh, and clean uh, and and attaining purity. So. Um, this is the situation, brothers and sisters. We see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use this term, right? In fact, when uh, we look at the story of Lut alayhi salam and uh, his people in, in, in Surah Al-A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that his people would say, أَخْرِجُوهُمْ مِنْ قَرْيَتِكُمْ إِنَّهُمْ أُنَاسُ يَتَطَهَّرُونَ Right? When, when Lut and those that followed him and, and, you know, uh, the, the people that were inviting towards good and telling people that, look, you know, you, you cannot be uh, practicing uh, physical relationships with, 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 with uh, the same type, meaning males cannot do it with males. It's males uh, to females. Um, so he was teaching them against, uh, you know, same gender uh, physical relations. And uh, what do we see? We see them actually telling the people that, look, you need to kick these guys out of our town. Why? Because they are people who love to uh, be purified. Right? And they love to purify. Right? So uh, here we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using the term purify, uh, denoting again uh, how important purity is in religion, purity in belief, that we follow the laws of Allah. Right? Allah has forbidden um, uh, same gender uh, physical relations. And so, so, and that's that's a matter of belief. So we purify our belief, and also we purify ourselves in action that we don't fall into that sin, right? So uh, a person uh, is physically pure if he physically stays away from sin as well. The point to note is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uses this term purity. Also, when we look at zakah, for example, right? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, in Surah At-Tawbah He says, "خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا." So Allah says, take from them a portion uh, of their wealth. Uh, 
right? A sadaqah, this zakah, this compulsory sadaqah. Why? To tahiruhum, to purify them by purifying their wealth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here again uses the term purify. So purification is a big massive part of the sharia. Physical purification, meaningful purification, purification uh, related to our actions, purification related to our wealth, our possessions, right? Um, um, and you know, the examples are just uh, so many. The examples are just so many, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. So uh, I wanted to share this just to again highlight uh, why you know wudu is always the first discussion. And even here, Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, and even in the summary uh, of uh, Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab uh, rahimahullah, we see uh, the first discussion is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's guidance pertaining to uh, his wudu, pertaining to. His wudu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, grant us the understanding. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So just moving on, my dear brothers and sisters, with the hadith uh, pertaining to the fadl and blessings of uh, wudu. Um, in the hadith of Abu Umamah, radiyallahu an, he reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when a Muslim makes wudu, the sins he has committed comes away from his hearing and from his sight and from his hand and from his feet. So when he sits down... Uh, he sits down having been forgiven. Um, and this is an amazing hadith because it also teaches us how to sort of uh, pack more punch in our salah, in our salah, right? And uh, in our presence in the masjid. And that is why whenever, um, uh, you know, uh, people ask and say, look, how do we increase our khushu' in our salah? How do we increase this khushu' in salah? How do we concentrate better in our salah? Well, there's many uh, things to discuss in this discussion. However, uh, it's important to note that uh, a great wudu helps uh, a great salah. A great wudu uh, helps a great salah. Uh, just a point of note to my dear brothers and sisters, if uh, the audio doesn't come across uh, too well, please feel free to uh, drop a message in the box. I try and read uh, everything uh, that you guys write. Sometimes you might see me, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, pausing between words uh, and sentences. That's because uh, my, my, my mind is working uh, overtime in that I'm focusing on what I want to say and at the same time reading some of your messages. But I just want to reassure you that I am uh, reading uh, the messages that come across either privately or uh, on the chat screen. So if, if anything goes out of sync... Um, or should I say rather, uh, anything becomes uh, inaudible, then please uh, let me know immediately, okay? Because it's important that you hear everything I'm saying. So, you know, if, if we want to pack more punch in our ibadah and worship, uh, in our salah, then, in, then we must ensure that our wudu uh, is in a good uh, stance and, and, and a good uh, place. It's very important, my dear brothers and sisters. Why? Because as we see here, the wudu is a means of uh, our sins being removed. And sins, my dear brothers and sisters, are our biggest downfall. That is what brings us down. It's the sins that bring us down. Right? It's our sins. And this was known from the first century of Islam. Right? This was a great teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says many times in his book, that you know, whatever bad comes to us, it's because of our actions. It's because of our actions. Right? So, um, our sins have 
caused us to be uh, in this situation that we are in. And that is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us uh, as a means of coming out of difficulty to increase istighfar. That whenever you're going through difficulty, you increase istighfar. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. You seek forgiveness from Allah. So that those sins that are causing the issue, the problem, uh, they are removed. And when you remove the disease, then uh, the situation goes away. Right? So uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us this. Now, if wudu is removing our sins, then we don't have our sins plaguing our other acts of worship. We don't have our sins plaguing our salah. Right? Because khalas, we've removed the cause of the issue. So a great wudu helps a great salah. And we learn this from this hadith because Rasulullah teaches us uh, that wudu removes the sins. Uh, in the hadith of Abu Malik al-Ash'ari, he says that the Prophet said, Purification is half of Iman. And Alhamdulillah, meaning saying Alhamdulillah, fills the scales. And Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah fills whatever is uh, between the heaven and the earth. And a prayer, meaning our salah, is a light. And sadaqah is a clear proof. And sabr and being patient is a shining light. And the Qur'an is a proof for you or a proof against you. And every person starts the day dealing uh, for his own soul. So he either sets it free or destroys it. And this hadith is in uh, Sahih Muslim uh, and other books of hadith um, as well. So it's an amazing hadith because uh, not only does it encourage us to be pure by the statement of Rasulullah wasallam, which says that purification is half of Iman. right? But it also encourages us towards the other simple acts of worship. Right? Like saying Alhamdulillah, saying Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, Subhanallah al-Azim, Subhanallah wa Alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-Aliyya al-Azim, or just Subhanallah and, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, or just uh, Subhanallah wa Alhamdulillah, as you like. Any uh, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is easy for you. If we ponder over this hadith, uh, we really see how um, a person can work smart or worship smart uh, instead of just worshiping hard. Right? That's, you know, look, uh, sometimes we leave worship altogether. Why? Because, you know, I'm at work, if I want to observe. Uh, two units of prayer, I have to make wudu, leave my desk. Uh, that's hard. Okay, that's worship hard. But then we have worship smart. Worship smart, right? Worship smart is, I can uh, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, at my desk, right? At my desk, alhamdulillah. And I don't even need wudu for this. It's better if I'm upon wudu, but it's not a requirement, right? And that's worshiping smart. And as you can see, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaching Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us that, you know, if you do this, then it is a light, right? Uh, that covers, um, uh, or, or, uh, it's, it's so heavy, sorry, just saying subhanallah and alhamdulillah, it's so heavy, it actually fills the scales, right? And fills whatever is between the heavens and the earth, subhanallah. Just saying alhamdulillah, just saying subhanallah. Right? Just saying Allahu Akbar. Right? 
you, you, you're making your scales heavier. This is worshipping smart, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, I ask you a question. How many times do we uh, not get up, observe the wudu, observe the two units of prayer, and we sit at our desk and we don't even do dhikr and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How many times does this happen? Right? How many times does this happen, my dear brothers and sisters? So, you know, this is uh, not working hard and this is not working smart. Right? Uh, because we, we, we focused on worshipping hard that we totally forgot about the simple uh, things in life. And a Muslim is one who takes care of uh, the bigger matters as well as the smaller matters. And as we can see, you know, even saying Alhamdulillah is not small. It makes our scales heavier on the Day of Judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us to remember Him greatly. Ameen. Especially our brothers and sisters working in the da'wah. You know, we always speak about feeding yourselves, filling yourselves. Because you're working hard um, and, you know, giving out to other people. Right? Because of the work that you do. Right? You're providing a platform for others to grow. Um, but what I see sometimes from some of our... I know we say volunteers here, that's just because you know nobody will understand, uh, or many won't understand if I say investors, but I call you guys investors. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we won't make any issues in terms of terminology. Uh, but one of the things I see in, in some of the volunteers is, you see them at the conference, you see them at the course, you see them uh, you know, working daily in, 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 in this whatever organization, whether it's related to feeding or zakah, collecting and distribution or whatever. Um, and you don't see them praying Qur'an, you don't see them doing dhikr in their spare time. Um, you know, you don't see that. Okay, maybe it's a bit difficult to uh, observe um, uh, Salat al-Duha today, right? Uh, because the conference and I'm busy and I'm running around, for example. But you don't even see them, you know, with a moist tongue, with moist lips, with, which, which, which acts as a sign of a moist heart, right? Um, you, you, you'll hardly see them, you know, in, in this spare time behind the stage or uh, in the salah room at work or, or, or somewhere, you know, reading a page or two from the Qur'an, right? So uh, this is just something for us to take care of. And as I said, I, I will be sharing messages uh, for, for the da'wah workers here. Uh, because obviously this course is running predominantly uh, for those who work in the da'wah, right? So we need to fix this. We need to fix this, my dear brothers and sisters. We need to work smart. There's no reason why, you know, in between moving from point A to point B or whilst the phone is ringing, when you're calling somebody, there's no reason why you can't say, Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar. And the guy picks up the phone and, or, or the sister picks up the phone and, and then you engage them in discussion. Alhamdulillah, you've used those seconds wisely. That is smart usage of time. So please take note of this, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. Uh, in the next hadith, in the hadith of um, Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu, he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, anyone who does wudu and does it well, his mistakes leave his body even from under his nails. Yes, my brothers and sisters, we must do wudu well. We must do wudu well. And when, we, when the hadith says well, it's, it's talking about well holistically, which means we shouldn't be wasting water. If you waste water, you're not performing wudu well. Right? Um, you should 
uh, not be, for example, uh, wasting water happens, for example, in washing one part more than three times. The sunnah is three, right? Compulsory is one, sunnah is three. Um, but then some people, four, five, six, this is not doing wudu well. Right? And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection. And the reason why I'm making this dua is because some people overwash their limbs only because um, they have, uh, may Allah protect us from the sickness known as wiswas. Right? These whisperings. That no, you didn't wash your hands properly. Wash it again. Right? Uh, you didn't make your intention properly. Start your wudu again. Uh, you didn't do mash of your hair, your head properly. Start again. Right? You didn't wash your face properly. Do it again. Right? This is wiswas. Uh, brothers and sisters, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from it. Ameen. And shaitan will always try and pollute your ibadah. So, uh, if he can't stop you making that wudu, he's going to affect it. And one of the ways that he affects your salah and your ibadah is to make you a person who doubts himself or herself. You start doubting. Until you start doubting everything. Even outside of worship, you start doubting it. You leave the home, you doubt, did I lock the door? Right? So you go all the way out the house, now you're walking back into the house. If you're in a block of flats, you're going right up the lift all the way to your flat, checking your flat again. You know, is it locked? And it's locked. You park your car, you get into your house, you doubt, did I lock my car? Then you're going back out, you're checking. Right? Um, This doubt is dangerous. And um, a person who allows themselves to become, uh, uh, you know, pray to the whispers of shaitan and these doubts, then they're going to put themselves in a very hectic situation and put themselves in a situation that actually leads to depression and leads to leaving much of the acts of worship and leaving themselves exposed to even greater and further attacks from shaitan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Ameen. Ameen, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah protect us. Ya Allah shower a beautiful cure upon all those who've been affected. Ameen. So, you know, we must uh, protect ourselves from this wiswas uh, and protect ourselves from losing the beauty of the wudu that we're doing. Um, when I say that, I mean we avoid wasting water. And the scholars say that one of the ways to get rid of wiswas uh, is to forget about it. So, if you wash your hands and then you doubt whether you've washed it, and you know you're suffering from this doubt problem, it's becoming a pattern where you you keep on doubting yourself, forget about it, go to the next part of wudu. Right? So, you wash your face, uh, and you doubted it, forget it, go to washing your hands. Right? You washed your hands, and you have a habit of doubting after you've washed your hands, forget about it, go to the next part of wudu. Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? Right? Because basically, uh, we are be- the Sharia is teaching us that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the parts which you doubt, these parts are considered to be washed. So you okay. You okay. Alright? So, uh, and this is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. Right? So you washed your hands, uh, or, or you washed your face, and then you started washing your hands. When you started washing your hands, you started doubting. Did I wash my face properly? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I missed this spot. Right now, now, if you see that this is becoming a pattern, if it's the first day, the second day, go back and wash your face properly. It's important we do wudu properly. But if you see that you know you are taking care, but now it's becoming a pattern, 
then what you need to do, as our scholars say, is forget about it. The Sharia considers your face to be, you know, to be washed properly, and go to the next part of wudu, wash your hands properly, right? Uh, this way, shaitan becomes weak. Shaitan says, okay, well, this person is not paying attention to me. And then shaitan begins to lose hope and start leaving this person. Right? Um, so this is a very important point to note. And I'm sharing it because many people write in uh, regarding this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the Swiss So one of the ways to ensure that our wudu is properly, brothers and sisters, is proper, is to avoid wasting water. Another way in which we, avo- we waste water, brothers and sisters, which I have seen today, is opening the tap. You know, full blast. It's full blast. A person opens the tap full blast. This is wasting water. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't love this. You know, uh, in fact, I think that uh, we should be even more cleverer. So for example, if we take water in our hands and we want to wipe our uh, head and ears and so on and so forth before washing our feet, take the water in your hands and switch off the tap. And then nicely do masah or complete the wiping of your head and your ears. um, And then switch on the tap again and wash your feet. So this is another way in which we waste water. I think. It's wasting water. The water is just running. The water is running. The tap's full blast. And you're wiping your, your, your head and your ears. It's wasting water. Water is a, a, a precious gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And Allah does not love those who waste. So this is important, my dear brothers and sisters, in terms of you know, these mistakes that we have in our wudu that uh, you know, prevent our wudu from being a great wudu. A great wudu is dotting, about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It's not just about making sure everything is wet. It's also about looking after the sunnah of the Prophet And the Prophet made wudu with very little water. There was a lot of rubbing in his wudu. He would stretch the droplets and he would spread uh, the droplets to cover uh, as much of the surface area of, the, of, of that which he was washing as possible. Right? Uh, today we don't do that. Today, you know, we live in the era of faucets and taps and so on and so forth. So, you know, we're just running our hand underneath it. I would really advise our brothers and sisters, when they can, to get into the habit of, you know, uh, filling a cup of water and using that cup to make wudu. For the sake of reviving the sunnah. Even though a cup is much more than what the Prophet ﷺ would use, but in today's day and age, no doubt. We, that would be considered a revival of the sunnah, in that you're using, uh, you know, uh, as less uh, quantities as possible, right? In quantities of this great blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, right? So try and, and, and make this a habit uh, in your uh, life, to revive the sunnah as many times as you can. And in this instance, we're talking about saving uh, water. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Um, uh, um, another thing that we should just take care of since we're on this discussion of making a very good wudu, my dear brothers and sisters, is um, in ensuring that when we wash our hands after uh, rinsing our mouth and, and, and nose, that we wash our hands from the fingertips. From the fingertips up to the elbows. Now what people do is, because at the beginning of the wudu, they wash their hands, uh, just their hands up to their wrists, and the hands are wet now. So when it comes to the washing of the hands after rinsing the mouth and the nose, 
they end up washing from the wrist up to um, the elbows without washing um, the fingers and or, or the hands, right? Uh, because obviously they say, well, we've washed it, it's already wet, we washed it at the beginning of wudu. Now what's better is for you to wash from the fingertips all the way up to the elbows. Why? Because at the beginning of wudu, when you washed your hands, you washed that with the intention of it being a sunnah. A sunnah. Not a compulsory act of wudu. Because we know washing the hands at the beginning of wudu is a sunnah. It's not compulsory. But washing the hands... After you wash your mouth and uh, you rinse your mouth and nose, this is compulsory, brothers and sisters, right? So uh, your intention for doing so is is a compulsory one. Your intention for doing so is a uh, compulsory one, and as a result, as a result, uh, you must wash from. Um, Sorry, somebody's microphone has come on and I'm getting feedback in the line. If we could just ensure that our microphones are switched off, that would be great. Jazakallah khairan. Okay, so uh, what we need to ensure is that we wash from the fingertips up to the elbows because that's from the compulsory parts of wudu which need to be done with the intention of wujub. That you are doing something which is compulsory. Now, um, I'm not saying that your wudu is nullified if you haven't, but we're saying that is definitely a better practice and something we should take care of in terms of ensuring that our wudu uh, is um, complete in an amazing way. Because as we see, the better the wudu, the better uh, everything else that happens after the wudu is in terms of our Quran recitation, in terms of our salah, and so on and so forth. Um, in, in, in the hadith of Uthman ibn Affan again, عن, he says that I saw the message of Allah وسلم, observe the wudu like I am doing wudu now. Then he said, anyone who does wudu like that will be forgiven his previous wrong actions and his prayer and his walking to the masjid will be an added bonus. Right? And we spoke about peop, some people being engineers in terms of earning rewards. You know, some people, mashallah, they engineers in building their jannah. Right? Yani Allah has really blessed them. Um, you know, has really blessed them, mashaAllah, in terms of earning rewards. They're so amazing uh, in terms of, you know, they, they do simple things, but, you know, alhamdulillah, uh, it becomes a great sadaqatul jariya for them. Right? It becomes a great sadaqatul jariya for them. They might print a little sticker which says, uh, remember Allah, and stick it on, on a lift or in a lift, uh, or stick it in their car on the passenger seat. Um, just, just you know, that's something simple. It doesn't cost us anything. And then, uh, you know, people walk in the lift and they see Subhanallah or they see Remember Allah. So, they remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Imagine how many rewards you're going to get. Right now, living in a Muslim country like Saudi Arabia, uh, this is something that, um, uh, you know, we, we see a lot. Uh, we, we see a lot. Right? You walk into a lift, it's there. You're driving on the road between Riyadh and Mecca or Medina or any other city. Um, normally, back you know, in, in other countries, you see speed limit signs. Right? Uh, here, you see the speed limit signs and then you just see a board, a proper official board which says, Alhamdulillah, which says, uh, Subhanallah, which says, Udhkurullah, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, uh, which reminds you for salah. It tells you salah is important. Salah is a pillar of religion. These are nice reminders. 
right? So the people who, uh, obviously, okay, the official signs are done by uh, the government, but nonetheless, people do this. Like, for example, in my lift, in my building here in Riyadh, uh, somebody has put a sticker uh, which uh, teaches us the best of istighfar. Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani wa na abduk. This dua. Uh, and subhanallah, I can't tell you uh, how many times it's been a reminder. Right? And I keep thinking, subhanallah, the person who put the sticker, whoever he is or whoever she is, what an intelligent, clever person uh, this person was. Right? That be, without them knowing, they, the jannah is becoming better and bigger. So they are engineers in building the jannah. They are engineers in building the jannah. So we should be those engineers as well. That say, look, we want our sins to be removed, which entails a bigger Jannah. We want rewards to come to us, which entails a bigger Jannah. So let's make a perfect wudu. Because here, Rasulullah wasallam taught us that the person who does wudu properly, then his sins are forgiven. And as he walks to the masjid, and the time he spends in the masjid, then this is an added bonus. You know, and some people say, you know, Shaykh, how do I stay, have, create a habit of staying in the masjid after salah? I find myself... You know, even though I, I, I can stay in the masjid, I tend to depart. I tend to depart. Even though I can stay in the masjid, I tend to uh, depart. So, uh, what can I do? And I say, remember that if you make a proper wudu and, and walk to the masjid and stay in the masjid for every, you know, for uh, the Prophet said that you are rewarded and angels seek your forgiveness, you know, for the period that you are in the salah. And uh, the salah here, as the scholars have said, refers to the period of you being in the masjid. From the beginning of the salah, meaning from you getting to the masjid because of the salah, and then you leaving the masjid after the salah. Now, this is a great way for a person to assist themselves in developing that habit, uh, the habit related to staying in the masjid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us all. Ameen. Um, in the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, when one of you makes wudu and makes it well, then goes out to the masjid having no purpose except the salah, then his left foot continues to wipe away his evil deeds and his right foot continuously or continually writes uh, for prayer uh, or, or, or writes uh, for him good deeds until he enters the masjid. And if the people knew what there was in the night prayer and uh, the morning prayers, then they would come to them even if they had to crawl. Right? Um, and uh, this hadith um, has a meaning which is authentic as well. And it's a great encouragement for us in terms of wudu as well as uh, looking after the night and morning prayers. Uh, the fajr prayers uh, as well. Rasulullah is saying if we knew then we would even crawl to the masjid. We would crawl to the prayer. Subhanallah. Right? So, um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make us uh, followers of, of these teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the earlier narration that we recited, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that this Qur'an is either evidence for you or against you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make everything we learn evidence for us and not against us. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Um, Abu Hurairah radiallahu states that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever makes wudu and makes it well, and then goes out, and then finds that the people have finished the prayer, then Allah gives him the same reward as the one who had prayed it along with the people 
without diminishing any of their rewards. Uh, this hadith is found in Abu Dawood and, and, and other Sunan uh, books of hadith. And this is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wallahi, that you know, and, and uh, that you intended really to go to the masjid to go pray with jama'ah and you did your wudu well, right? Um, and you got there and you found that the jama'ah uh, or the congregational prayer had come to an end. Here, the hadith teaches us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you the rewards of those who prayed in um, the jama'ah without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreasing from the rewards of those who actually prayed in the jama'ah. Allahumma lakal hamd, hamdan kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan fi indeed. The best of praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Zaid ibn Khalid al-Juhani radiyallahu reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever makes wudu and makes it well, then prays two units of prayer. Not letting his or her mind wander in the prayer, meaning they prayed with concentration in khushu', then Allah forgives him or her all of their previous sins. Allah forgives them all of their previous sins. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Wallahi, you know when you read these ahadith, how can you feel sad? How can you feel depressed? How can you feel you don't have a chance? How can you feel you don't have a chance of getting to Jannah? How do you feel you don't have a chance of escaping the hellfire? You know, Wallahi, all these narrations only bring a smile to our faces and give us hope, right? Give us hope and, 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 and they encourage us to be better. They encourage us to be better. And that's who we should be, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people of Jannah. Ameen. Uqba uh, ibn Amir reports that the Prophet said, whoever makes wudu and makes it well, and then prays uh, two units of prayer, concentrating therein with his heart and his face, then paradise becomes compulsory and obligatory for him. Allahu Akbar. Uthman ibn Affan reports that he heard the Prophet say, whoever makes wudu for the prayer and completes the wudu, and walks to the obligatory prayer, and prays it with the people in congregation, or prays it in the masjid, then Allah forgives his sins. This is in Sahih Muslim. The hadith of Ali radiallahu an, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, completing the wudu when it, uh, when it is hard, and walking to the masjid, and waiting for the next prayer after the previous one, all this greatly washes away our sins. And we discussed this uh, hadith or um, uh, hadith similar uh, last week. Humran uh, ibn Aban relates that Uthman radiallahu asked for water to make wudu. Then he mentioned how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made wudu. Then he said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said at the end of the hadith, whoever makes wudu in the same way that I have just made wudu, then stands up and prays two units of prayer, not thinking of other things, then his previous sins will be forgiven. His previous sins will be uh, forgiven. Uh, the scholars have explained what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam refers to here when he says that he finishes the wudu and observes two units of prayer. Um, we know of uh, something known as tahiyyatul wudu. Tahiyyatul wudu. Right, which is two units of prayer observed after wudu. But we must understand that this prayer could be inclusive in, for example, tahiyyatul masjid. When you get to the masjid, one of the salahs of the masjid is, to, is tahiyyatul masjid, right? which has 
uh, great rewards as well. Um, but also this salah is inclusive in terms of the sunan salah that we pray before the compulsory prayers. Right? Or the compulsory prayer that we pray when we get into the masjid. Right? So what I'm saying, my dear brothers and sisters, is that when you go into the when you pray your salah, so let's say you've made wudu and now you're praying salah, you know, the intention in your heart is Salat al-Duhr or Salat al-Asr or two units of Fajr, Sunnah Fajr, uh, the Sunnah units of Fajr or the two Sunnah units before Dhuhr uh, as part of the four before Dhuhr. Uh, what you should do is intend Tahiyatul Wudu as well. You don't have to say anything, but it should be in your heart, right? That you intend these two units of prayer that the Prophet wasallam spoke about. Right? Because the Prophet wasallam said generally, whoever observes two units. So, uh, if you don't have a salah to pray, then this is Tahiyatul Wudu. If you have a salah to pray, then make your intention uh, comprehensive. Right? Make your intention comprehensive. Right? So that uh, you intend, if you're in the masjid, tahiyatul masjid, tahiyatul wudu, and my four units of prayer, for, for dhuhr, for example. Uh, if it's already, if the congregation has stood up. Or even our sisters at home. Right? Be comprehensive in terms of your intention. And this is what we talk, we know when we say worship smart, worship smart. This is worshiping smart. Right? That subhanallah, you intend uh, so much ibadah because Allah has been so merciful and has allowed us to intend the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this way. Right? Uh, so we intend it. How many times has shaitan made us forget this? That we stand up for dhuhr after making wudu and we intend dhuhr. In our heart it's dhuhr. We don't intend tahiyyatul wudu. Right? Um, or we get into the masjid. We begin the salah with the imam. And we don't intend tahiyyatul masjid and tahiyyatul wudu. If we've just performed tahiyyatul wudu. Right? How many times? So, you know, shaitan, if he can't stop us doing something, as I always say, he will pollute what we do. Uh, and from the things that he does is he makes us forget. Because for shaitan, you know, if he can't stop us getting the rewards of, of, of doing the, the, the fajr prayer, uh, alhamdulillah, uh, he'll try and make sure that we don't get the rewards of the fajr prayer plus tahiyyatul masjid plus tahiyyatul wudu, for example. Right? So instead of uh, three in one, he makes it become a one in one kind of deal. So let's worship smart, my dear brothers and sisters, and I hope this piece of advice will become a means of my Jannah. Alhamdulillah, that we have so many people, walillahi alhamd, listening to this advice that inshallah uh, they uh, do this as well. May um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us. Ameen. Uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu, he reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, No one among you does wudu and does wudu thoroughly or adequately and then testifies and says, There is no one worthy of worship uh, or there is no God but Allah alone with no partner. And I testify that Muhammad is his slave and messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except that the eight doors of Jannah are open to him so that he can enter by whichever. Allahu Akbar. That he can enter by whichever uh, door uh, he wishes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this great gift. Ameen. Uh, so my dear brothers and sisters, again, worship smart. Worship smart. Right? Subhanallah, make wudu. And then we just have to say, it, you know, it's very, uh, it's a very simple dua. It's a very simple dua. 
right? La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamd wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. Uh, sorry, we, uh, the person says, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh." So the person says this, and uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens the eight doors of Jannah uh, for him or her to to enter from, right? Uh, and towards the end of uh, Hisham's reading last week, uh, the author did cite uh, certain. Um, Supplications. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. In in other narrations, to say Allahumma jalli min al tawabin, wajalli min al mutatahirin. In other narrations, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. In my book, it's page twenty one. Uh, so please revise uh, your notes. Uh, and if you notice, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ Which means glory be to you, O Allah, and praise and thanks. And I testify that there is no one worthy of worship except you. I seek forgiveness from you and I turn to you in repentance. Uh, this particular dua uh, is, is a dua that we've been taught to recite somewhere else. Uh, who Does anyone know this? Does anyone know this? Does anyone recognize this dua? Um... سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ Does anyone recognize this dua? Yes. كَفَارَةُ الْمَجْلِسِ When one is concluding the gathering, we've been taught to recite this, right? At the end of a gathering as well. Uh, so that we are forgiven from the mistakes in that gathering. Maybe, you know, there was too much banter, there was too much joking. Maybe we didn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala much. So this comes in and um, protects that gathering and protects us from being sinful uh, in that gathering and protects the gathering from becoming a bad gathering, right? Um, and, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described the worst gatherings as, as those gatherings that do not have the remembrance of Allah in them. So if you end the gathering with this dua and we know actions are judged by the endings, then we save ourselves, alhamd. Right? Abdul uh, Matini is saying, does this apply to a virtual gathering? Yes, it applies to all gatherings. Everything in our norm uh, that is considered a gathering, this applies to it as well. But the scholars say that this dua is even more confirmed at the end of wudu. Subhanallah. It is even more confirmed at the end of wudu than it is confirmed at the end of the, 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 um, the majlis, right? Or the gathering. Right, so how many of us actually recite this dua? So let this be a lesson, right? To say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. To say Allahumma jalli min al-tawabin wa jalli min al-mutatahirin. To say Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wallahi, we can't go wrong. It doesn't cost us anything, my dear brothers and sisters, right? And you know, you can only imagine or dream, in you know dream how big the doors of Jannah are and how heavy those doors are. And you just say this, Wallahi, you're not saying nothing, you're saying a lot. Wallahi, you're not saying nothing, you're saying a lot. Because those doors open up for, for the person who uh, who says this. Um, subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Ameen. So these are some of the, the, the blessings, my dear brothers and sisters, with regards to uh, wudu. Uh, one of the things that 
we should discuss here is that wudu is done with uh, pure water. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, describes uh, the pure water that purifies uh, in wudu as water which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down from the skies and allowed to settle on earth. So wudu using sea water or well water, uh, because well water, although it's um, it may be uh, you know it it it, uh, it comes from underneath the earth, uh, but it's that which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has allowed to settle on earth, right? Uh, so well water, sea water. Um, some people say, what about flood water? Because the water is 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 quite brown, uh, but flowing flood water. Uh, we say that the, they say the water is quite brown. Can this be used for wudu? We say yes, it can be used for wudu on condition it's not harmful to you. Why? Because the only reason why it's brown is because of the intensity of flowing water. Once that water settles, then the the, the sand in the water will settle as well and will go downwards, and all you'll be left with is is is, is the clean water. Uh, so water, uh, sorry, the water that's used for wudu. In terms, uh, last week we said this water is known as wadu. The water should be pure water. Uh, some people say, what about water that's recycled? Today's recycled water. Um, uh, is that, are, are we allowed to use uh, this type of water? We know that in some countries the water is recycled, right? Um, they say in the city of London, the water that comes to your tap, uh, uh, you'll actually use it, uh, somebody told me, I think seven times. Right? You'll actually use it seven times because... Um, it actually uh, comes in, goes out, comes back in, goes out, comes back in, goes out, meaning it goes through the purification cycle um, a good number of times before it's, it's released out and, and uh, uh, other water falls into the cycle. Um, so can we use uh, c- uh, purified water, recycled water for wudu? Uh, yes, you can. Yes, you can, because at the end of the day, the water that comes to you uh, has come to you uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, sent it down, meaning it, it, it's come to you pure. All right? And uh, how do we know that this water cannot be used for wudu? Well, we say this water cannot be used for wudu if it's not considered pure water. Which means it's giving out a smell uh, that uh, is not the smell of pure water. So for example, let's say tea. Somebody says, can I make wudu with tea water? You know? It's tea, it's still water, it's just a tea bag, and a tea bag is clean. But we say, no, if the tea bag has changed the color of water, then that's not pure water, because it doesn't look like how Allah sent it from the skies. Right? Um, uh, some people say, for example, rose water. Well, rose water uh, looks like uh, water, but does it smell like the water Allah has sent from the skies? No, it doesn't. And do you call it water or rose water? We call it rose water. So no, this water shouldn't be used uh, for wudu. So I think this is a simple discussion and the discussion is clear. Um, uh, because alhamdulillah most of us use taps uh, or water collected from taps or from wells and so on and so forth. Uh, but this is just to bring some completion to the discussion. Another thing is, uh, when did wudu become compulsory? We know that the ayat in the Quran, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu idha qumtum ila salati faghsilu wujuhakum wa idiyakum ila al-marafiqi wa msahu biruusikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bi. Um... Uh, this is the ayah in Surah Ma'idah, if Hisham can bring it up. Uh, this ayah was revealed in Medina, no doubt. All the scholars agree that this, uh, this uh, ayah uh, was revealed in Medina. 
was revealed in Medina. But we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray in um, used to pray in Mecca. He used to pray in Mecca, right? So if wudu became compulsory in Medina, does that mean that um, salah was done in Mecca? Uh, so, sorry, uh, yes. If wudu became compulsory in Medina, does that mean? That salah became, uh, or salah was prayed in Mecca without wudu. Does it mean that, right? So um, the, the majority of the scholars they they don't uh, affirm this. The majority of the scholars uh, they are of the opinion that the uh, salah was always prayed with wudu in Mecca as well as in Medina. Obviously, however, uh, wudu became compulsory in uh, Medina. Well, the scholars differ. They say, look, we, uh, the majority say uh, uh, wudu was also part and parcel of life in Mecca and there was no salah of the Prophet ﷺ without wudu. But they differ, was it compulsory in Mecca or not? So, right? Or was it a case that it was compulsory in Mecca but the ayah which was recited was revealed in Medina? Or was it a case where it was nice to do in Mecca, meaning it was sunnah, it was recommended. And we know that sunnah and recommendation at that time wasn't something that people left out like we see today. right? So was it sunnah and recommended but then became compulsory? Uh, the scholars differ with regards to this. But this is not a discussion we need to go do too deep into. Why? Because it has no uh, bearing uh, in terms of our life today. At the end of the day, everybody agrees that after the ayah was revealed in Medina, then wudu was compulsory before salah. And uh, nobody's salah is accepted without wudu. Uh, but this is just to highlight uh, a discussion of, of, of the scholars. The majority of the scholars, and this is the correct view and Allah knows best, is that uh, the Prophet ﷺ uh, never observed salah without wudu. Um, and yes, um, whether... Uh, wudu was compulsory in Mecca before Medina. Um, that's a different discussion. But did he observe salah without wudu? The majority say no, and this is the correct opinion, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, is wudu part and parcel of this ummah? Meaning, meaning, is it from the specifics of this ummah? Uh, we touched on this last week and we said no. What's clear is that uh, other nations had wudu. Uh, we see in the life of Ibrahim alayhi uh, salam, there's mention uh, in some of the narrations pertaining to him that he requested water for wudu. Um, and also we know that previous prophets also had salah. Um, right, so they also had salah, so um, uh, it's logical that they had wudu. However, what the scholars do agree to is that, um, you know, the shining light on, on the limbs of wudu is specific to the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is something specific uh, to the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right, the, the shining lights on the day of Qiyamah. Remember last week we discussed the narration, uh, narration in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam described how um, we would be known on the day of Qiyamah amidst um, you know, uh, the trillions and trillions and trillions that will be there. So they say this is a specific gift that Allah has given the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. May Allah make us the best with our wudu and may Allah make our limbs shine on the day of Qiyamah and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make wudu a means of our forgiveness. Ameen. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make wudu a means of a better salah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people that are diligent with wudu. Uh, we, are not, we do not waste 
water during the wudu, and uh, we try and remain upon wudu as much as we can. Also from the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam was to try to the best of his ability to remain the whole day in wudu. And from the etiquettes of sleeping is that he would, he would sleep upon wudu as well. So this is something we should try and, and, and bring into our life, my dear brothers and sisters, that try and remain upon wudu as much as you can. Not saying make it a difficult matter in your life, but try and remain upon wudu uh, as much as you can, uh, because inshallah we are all aiming to have a life whereby we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala much, and uh, no doubt worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon ritual purity is more purer and much better. Right? So a person who always tries to remain upon wudu, then this is a sign that they want to worship Allah through dhikr and through other means uh, as much as possible. We know that Imam Malik, rahimahullah, he would not even teach hadith uh, except that he would uh, do so upon wudu, even though it's not a uh, condition of teaching hadith to be upon wudu, but the great Imam, rahimahullah, uh, out of great respect for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the fact that it's a great ibadah, uh, he would uh, ensure that his teachings in Masjid al-Nabawi would be upon wudu, or he would make this this habit, uh, as Allah made easy for him, this should be a habit uh, for us all as well. Some of us, subhanAllah, we hardly make wudu, we only make wudu if we need to. If we have to pray Quran, or we have to go to Salah, then we make uh, wudu. Um, uh, let's try and uh, love wudu, uh, so that perhaps wudu loves us, and uh, as you've heard, my dear brothers and sisters, that you know, if you make wudu, we're not saying waste water, but if you have to make wudu, and then you make these du'as after wudu, the eight doors of Jannah are open for us, and we can enter uh, from whichever uh, door we want. And, and, and this, uh, I think, is a nice cap to the wudu discussion, because we did say last week that some people say, why should I make wudu if I release wind? Why am I washing my hands? And so on and so forth. What are the wisdoms? And as we said, the greatest wisdom is it is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it is. It's the worship of Allah. And what is the biggest evidence that it is? This hadith that we discussed at the end, that Jannah, the eight doors of Jannah open for us, alhamd. And we can enter from whichever door we choose. May Allah uh, bless us uh, to be from amongst that particular group that will enter Jannah from whichever door they choose. Ameen. Ya Rabbal Alameen. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is uh, um, an end to um, uh, the chapter on the Prophet wasallam's guidance pertaining to wudu. If Hisham is available and his microphone is ready, uh, in the remaining minutes he can read for us the Prophet wasallam's guidance pertaining to the prayer. At least we can have it read um, so that then we can uh, kick off next week with its explanation. Hisham, are you ready, uh, Akhil Karim? Okay, Hisham is ready. Please go ahead. Barakallahu feekum. May Allah shower His mercy upon the author, upon the teacher, and all the attendees. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Regarding His Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's guidance in prayer, this is page 23 of the book Zadul Ma'ad. When he sallallahu alayhi wasallam stood up to pray, he would say, Allahu Akbar, Allah is the most great. And he would not say anything before it, nor did he pronounce the intention and none of the tabi'un or the four imams recommended it. It was his custom to enter ihram by saying Allahu Akbar and nothing else. And at the same time, he would raise his hands up to the lobes of his ears with his fingers extended and facing towards the qibla. And it has also been narrated up to his shoulders. Then he would place his right hand on the back of his left hand, between the wrist and the forearm, 
and it has not been authentically reported where he used to place them. But Abu Dawood reported from Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he said, when praying, the sunnah is to place the right hand over the left hand below the navel. He used to begin the prayer sometimes by supplicating thus, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'atta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib. Allahumma ghsilni min khatayaya bil-ma'i wal-thalji wal-barad. Allahumma naqini min al-dhunubi wal-khataya kama yunaqqa thawbu al-abyadu min al-danas. O oh Allah, make, me, make the distance between me and my sins as great as you have made the distance between the east and the west. O Allah, purify me from my sins by snow, water and hail. O Allah, purify me from misdeeds and sins as a white garment is purified from dirt. And sometimes he would say, وَجَّهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَارِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ اللهم أنت الملك لا إله إلا أنت أنت ربي وأنا عبدك ظلمت نفسي واعترفت بذنبي فاغفر لي ذنوبي جميعا إنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت واهدني لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عني سيئها لا يصرف عني سيئها إلا أنت لبيك وسعديك الخير بين يديك والشر ليس إليك أنا بك وإليك I have turned my face to, to the one who created the heavens and the earth in sincere submission, and I am not one of those who associates partners with Allah. Verily, my prayers, my sacrifice, my life, and my death are for Allah, the Lord of the worlds who has no partners. That is what I have been ordered, and I am the first of those who submit, i.e., a Muslim. O oh Allah, you are the sovereign, and there is no other Lord besides you. You are my Lord, and I am your slave. I have wronged my soul, and you are aware of my sins. So forgive me all of my sins. No one forgives sins save you. Guide me to the best of character. None can guide to the best of it save you. Turn me away from evil character, for none can turn me away from it save you. I am at your beck and call. All good is in your hands, and evil is not to you. I am for you, and most blessed and exalted are you. I seek forgiveness from you, and turn to you in repentance. But it is recorded that this was in the night prayer. And sometimes he would say, Allahumma Rabba Jibreela, Mika'il, wa Israfil. O Allah, Lord of Jibreel, Mika'il, and Israfil. Up to the end of the narration which was mentioned previously. And sometimes he would say, Allahumma laka alhamdu anta nuru samawati wal ardu wa man fihin. O Allah, to you are due all praise and thanks. You are the light of the heavens and the earth and all those therein. Then he mentioned two others. And then he said, All of these forms have been authentically reported from him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it has been narrated from him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he used to open the prayer by saying Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdika wa tabaraka smuka wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk Glory and praise be to you O Allah and most blessed is your name and none is worthy of worship except you. 
This was reported by the compilers of the Sunan, but the previous dhikr is more strongly confirmed than it. But it has been reported that Umar radiallahu anhu used to open the prayer with it when he was in place of the in the place of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, i.e., when he was leading the companions radiallahu anhum in prayer, and he would say it aloud so that the people should know it. Ahmad said, I act upon what has been related from Umar radiallahu anhu, and if a person opens a prayer with something that has been related, then it is good. After that, he used to say, A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajim. I seek refuge from the accursed shaytan. Then he would recite Surah Al-Fatiha, sometimes reciting the Basmala aloud, but mostly he would recite quietly. He used to prolong the words in his recitation. Stopping at the end of each verse and prolonging the sound of his voice. Once he had completed the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, he would say Ameen, and if he was reciting aloud, he would raise his voice when pronouncing it, and those behind him would repeat it. He used to observe two short silences in the prayer, one between the takbirah and the recitation, while as for the second, there is a difference of opinion regarding it. It has been narrated that it is after Surah Al-Fatiha, and it has been narrated that it is before the bowing ruku'ah. And it has been said that in fact there are two periods of silence aside from the first. But it appears more likely, most likely, that there are only two. As for the third, it is very short, in order to recover one's breath. So those who did not, who did not mention it failed to do so because of its brevity. After he had finished reciting Surah uh, Al-Fatiha, he would recite another surah which he would sometimes prolong and sometimes shorten because of traveling or other reasons. But most of the time his recitation would be of medium length. In Fajr prayer he would recite between 60 and 100 verses approximately. He would pray it sometimes by reciting Surah Qaf and sometimes by reciting Surah Al-Rum. At other times he would pray it by reciting Surah Al-Takweer. It happened that he recited Surah Al-Zalzala in both rak'ahs. And while traveling, he recited Al Mu'awwidatan during the Fajr prayer. It also happened that he opened the prayer reading Surah Al Mu'minun. And when the mention of Moses and Aaron in the first rak'ah, then he was seized by coughing and so he bowed. He used to pray it on Friday by reciting Surah Al Sajda and Surah Al Dahr because they contain reminders of creation, the return to Allah, the creation of Adam, the entry into paradise and hell and mention of things past and things yet to come whose occurrence is on a Friday as he used on the days of great gatherings such as the Eid prayers and the Friday prayers to recite Surah Qaf, Surah Al-Qamar, Surah Al-A'la and Surah Al-Ghashiyah Jazakallah khairan Akhil Kareem No, that's, uh, please stop here uh, We've come to the end of the lesson uh, today and um, this is a good point to stop uh, on and Ta'ala, when we resume next week, um, we will um, go into uh, an explanation um, and share some pieces of information pertaining to uh, the portion that has been read. Just one thing before you go, my dear brothers and sisters, just from the reading that we've just completed, I just want you to take note of uh, the details, even though this is summarized, but you know, you can just see how closely the companions watched the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
right? I mean, if you look at this discussion about, you know, how many, uh, you know, silent moments did he have in the prayer? Uh, was it for a short breath, for a long breath? Was it before the ruku? Was it after the fatiha? Uh, I mean, subhanallah, he raised it up to his shoulders. Oh, sometimes his fingertips reached his earlobes. Um, you can just see detail, subhanallah. Right? And by Allah, no other Prophet has been discussed in this way. Or no information has reached us about any Prophet in this way. Right? So much detail. And the fact that there's so much detail is testimony to how many companions of the Prophet ﷺ used to watch him and watch him with, an hawk, you know, with a hawk eye. Watch him carefully. They wanted to do it exactly how he did it. So just take this lesson uh, as we go into uh, the days coming up. The importance of following the Prophet ﷺ to the T. Follow him to the T. You know, in, in English when we say to the T, meaning exactly. Follow him. We love him. We always want to copy the one we love. Right? So let's copy Rasulullah wasallam. Brothers and sisters, our time's come to an end. Alhamdulillah, the forums are there for you to ask your questions, uh, if you have any. Um, and inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us in His obedience, uh, in good health um, and good stead um, until we meet next week. Can I just uh, remind my brothers and sisters to let... Our other brothers and sisters know, those who you uh, do know that attend Zad, that the issue with the virtual classroom has been fixed. Um, we can uh, accept uh, many, many more people. There's no cutoff now. That problem has been uh, resolved. All thanks to um, our partners. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. To be honest, uh, the virtual classroom, um, without notification, actually had a new rule. And that was that if you wanted above a certain limit, then you had to pay. You had to pay. And obviously payments have already been made uh, for the class to run. Uh, but without notification, this extra rule came in that uh, now there's an extra charge depending on uh, the amount of people in class. So um, our partners, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them with Jannah. They've actually, uh, you know, uh, stepped up. And um, without requesting a cent from us, they themselves um, have gone and made whatever payments have been necessary to facilitate this class to a bigger number of people. Right? So, uh, and that's why I, I started today reminding each and every one here of the importance of coming to the class live and not waiting for uh, the recording. Because, subhanAllah, Allah has inspired a people to build their Jannah by making this class accessible to a greater number of people live, right? So, you know, we thank people in action and we thank them uh, in words as well. And the greatest action we can do to thank them is to uh, attend, attend live. I know last week uh, a plethora of emails and a great number of emails came in saying, we're trying to get into the class, we can't. Please let everybody know that this problem has been rectified and, um, you know, we would love to see our brothers and sisters live in class. Jazakumullah khairan. Everyone's making dua for our partners and, 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 and uh, their goodness. Um, may Allah reward them handsomely, yes. May Allah reward them abundantly, yes. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Jazakumullah khairan, my dear brothers and sisters. I love you all for the sake of Allah. Please take care. Be the best Muslim you can be. Until next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.